Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie, and we are the Art History Babes. Welcome to this little BB. Little BB episode. And I think we can officially say this will be the uh, start of a spooky season content for us. Oh, yeah. We're talking death. We're talking about <laughs> deaths. So we could definitely put this episode under the umbrella of spooky season content just to kind of get you guys going because we got so much planned for the next month and a half. It's truly absurd. It's going to be a very big umbrella, like a beach umbrella. <laughs> so yeah, we're talking today about Etruscan. I said that weird. I said Etruscan. <laughs> it's like the name of, that's because it's the name of our recording. Um, Isn't that what you named this conversation? I did. Etruscans? Etruscans with a Z. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's what we should name this episode. So we're talking about Etruscan funerary art today. Before we jump into the episode, we, as always, have some announcements to make. One, if you haven't heard yet, we're writing a book. It's very exciting. We're very excited about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, we've talked about that a lot already. But if you want to kind of help us to continue to make content while we also put a lot of time and energy into this book, becoming a patron on patreon.com slash art history babes is a wonderful thing to do. And just a shout out to all of our current patrons. We love you guys. Thank you for helping us write this book and make podcasts. Yeah, we appreciate you. And we're also in the process of kind of revamping our Patreon. So if you want to get in there and maybe get some perks before they get switched up a little bit or even like see what the old Patreon looked like versus the new one, you know, see what the vintage looked like. Or also if you want a say in future perks, become a patron and let us know on there. Why do you have to come in with the best reason? <laughs> <laughs> I like my reasons. <laughs> Yours makes the most sense, but whatever. <laughs> That's a good reason. You guys should do that. Yeah, whatever reason is in your heart, become a patron. <laughs> Love you guys. You're awesome. Also, if you are interested in spending some quality time with the Art History Babes, we are going on a really dope trip to New York City in December. And it's going to be so much fun. We're going to hit so many museums. We're going to do so many cool things. And we want you all to come with us. It's going to be like this. It's going to be like a study tour mm -hmm. with the Art History Babes, kind of. It's just going to be fun. And I think so. I've always had good experiences on those kinds of trips. Oh, me too. Me too. I love, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. So yeah, if you're interested, you can head to likemindstravel.com and read the full itinerary and see the packages we have available, all that. Get your spot because they're starting to fill up. And yeah, we hope to see you there. It'll be so good. So good and nice. Also, working on a little mini back-to-school YouTube series right now. So if you are in school and you want tips on things like how to write a research paper or how to study for an art history exam, you should hit the Art History Babes YouTube because uh, we got content there too. Yeah, and that's such good information, guys. Like, don't pass that up. Why would you? Like, that's the stuff that you're going to end up Googling later anyway. So just go listen to Corey tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> Want to make your uh, 
college experience as painless as possible. Yeah, so check it out. Check it out. It's good stuff. It's good information, I think. Mm-hmm. Me too. Totally agree. So Nat and I agree. Etruscans? Etruscans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jump the gun a little bit there. Let's talk about Etruscans. All right. The Etruscans were a civilization who dwelled in central Italy from the 8th up to the 4th century BCE when they were conquered by the Romans. They inhabited modern-day Tuscany, so I bet it was gorgeous. But back then, it was known as Etruria, which is a very hard word for me to say, guys, so bear (laughs) with me. Etruscans were influenced by their neighbors of the south, the ancient Greeks, but still maintained their own distinctive traditions and styles. Unfortunately, their writings have pretty much been lost, so nearly everything we know about them comes from their tombs. Fortunately, they put a lot of emphasis on the afterlife, so their tombs were filled with artifacts and art to be studied and a lot of really dope paintings. Much of their culture was absorbed by the Romans after they were conquered by them, so we can find Etruscan influence in early Roman style. Etruscans are the lesser-known civilization sandwiched between the Greeks and the Romans, but don't worry, babes. We're going to get you all caught up or refreshed on the Etruscans and their funerary practices. In Etruscan culture, the afterlife was clearly seen as an extension of one's time on Earth. Most often, we think of the Egyptians when it comes to this idea of setting up a cushy afterlife, but the Etruscans were pretty good at it themselves. The Etruscans were a very spiritual, very religion-oriented people, and this naturally lends itself to preoccupation with death and the afterlife. In addition to wanting to set up cozy passage to the afterlife for themselves, they also feared that if the dead were neglected, they would become malicious and vengeful spirits. Mm -hmm. To avoid being haunted by the spirits of angry dead people, the Etruscans set up pretty sweet digs for the dead to rest because if the spirits are having like a cool chill time in the afterlife, then they're pretty unlikely to return to haunt the living. It's also kind of like just a nice cycle because then you know you're going to be set up in the afterlife. So you know what I mean? It's like you do your part while you're living. You don't get haunted. Everything's great. And then you get to the afterlife and everything's great. And you can ensure it's going to keep going that way. It's like the opposite of a vicious yeah. cycle. So ultimately, everything is great cycle. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Uh, cremation was a common practice during Etruscan civilization. In fact, Etruscan tombs and sarcophagi typically hold cremated remains instead of the bodies of the deceased. As early as the 8th century, potters would create decorative vessels for human remains. So, urns, basically. They made some really cool ones, too. I feel like we could do a whole episode on Etruscan pottery. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Should should we take a quick break? Let's take a breaky break. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about some of the most notable examples of Etruscan funerary art. And we're back. And here to talk to you about tombs. Tombs! <laughs> we're really, like, extracting all the spookiness we can from this. I'm trying <laughs> trying to make it as spooky as possible. <laughs> I feel like I need, like, a pumpkin-scented candle or something. I need to get in the spirit. Yes, all always. Right. The tomb of Triclinium is one of thousands of chamber tombs constructed by the Etruscans in the Monterosi necropolis of Tarquinia, Italy. 
It dates to around 480 to 470 BCE and was made by carving it out of bedrock, which does not sound easy. Mm-hmm. And it literally is like the Flintstones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of them just like making furniture out of bedrock, like their little dinosaur dog running by. Yeah, I wonder if that's... Kidding, guys. I know that the Etruscans didn't have dinosaurs. You don't know. You weren't there. That's true. We don't know. <laughs> just like big feathery chickens. <laughs> exactly. Dinosaurs are apparently birds now, so Ooh. we don't know anything is really <laughs> the lesson. We don't. So all four walls of this tomb were covered in colorful fresco painting, and since only about 2% of Etruscan tombs were painted, this was likely built for a member of the elite. The content of those paintings also insinuates that the deceased lived a pretty comfortable life on Earth and planned to carry that into the afterlife. In the various scenes, we see a banquet, dancers, servers, musicians, and animals. We know this party is made up of men and women, men being the ones that are painted with a dark red pigment and the women are painted in like a lighter yellow. So I was watching this video on Etruscan funerary rituals and they were talking about the narrator was talking about this particular thing. And it was kind of interesting because she likened it to the common like modern day color differentiation of blue for boys and Mm -hmm. pink for girls, because apparently this was also something that the ancient Egyptians did. Mm -hmm. One color, like a dark red for men, and then more of like a yellowy pigment for women. Yeah, it it's more symbolic than anything. It's it's like the idea of idealized faces. Like it's meant to symbolize someone, not to look exactly like them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's a total symbolic thing. Exactly like blue being associated with boys and pink being associated with girls mm-hmm. now. And I mean, ultimately, you know, gender's a construct. So once again, none of it, nothing matters. <laughs> Which is what we're trying to tell you guys all along. <laughs> Sorry if you got the wrong idea at some point. Oh, this man. podcast is just like a long playing out of our existential crises. If for real, though, it's just like nothing matters. <laughs> but like here, this is interesting. <laughs> but look at this. But yeah, let's look at some stuff like we should put that on a T-shirt. Nothing matters, but let's look at some stuff. There we go. I like it. To be fair, what's spookier than an existential crisis? Hey, there we go. Another one (laughs) on brand for this episode. (laughs) It's spooky. (laughs) All right. Back to our tomb. If I just say like the word spooky after something in that voice, does it? You're going to get really good at it. You're already getting better at doing your like inflection. (laughs) Does it make it spookier? Like, does that work? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, but I appreciate it. So just keep it coming. I don't know if it's spookier or goofier, but I like it. It's all good. Yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep it going. All right. Now really back to the tomb. Movement defines this scene with a lot of overlapping figures and objects, outstretched arms, and kind of gestural hands. And cats and roosters, which now we're going to call tiny dinosaurs, (laughs) run amok under the table. I kind of added in the running amok part, but that's how I like to imagine them. They're really just under the table. But I mean, if they're animals under your banquet table, (laughs) I think it's fair to say they're running amok. (laughs) On the left wall are four dancers, three females and one male, and a guy playing a barbiton, which is a string instrument that looks kind of like a small harp that you play like a tiny electric guitar. So if you guys can visualize it, and this particular player is really into it. 
you can tell he's got like I don't know how would you describe it Corey it's like that little like t-rex arm shape oh yeah yeah play yeah totally with. <laughs> um I bet you um, there's a name for and- it but I, I don't know I know. Write in if you know what that's really called, because I don't think that tiny T-Rex arm is really respectful to the musician community. (laughs) (laughs) And the dancers that are also on the wall are kind of supporting the theory that he's shredding because they are really getting down. And I love this piece of the fresco in particular. The stylized trees on these walls are really cool, but also just like the dancers' poses. (laughs) are so yeah, they're fantastic dramatic <laughs> they are feeling it right now for sure and for someone who really as we were talking about earlier has a pretty even temperament i do really love drama <laughs> in other people <laughs> and when i can see it like not you like to observe the drama <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, so I really appreciate these moves, although I don't know that I could ever replicate them. You best believe I'm going to try like right after we get off this call. Oh, my God. We should wait till you come visit and we'll try and do oh, both. Oh, yeah. Perfect. That's such good content. You're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> content, content, content. Okay. All right, the spooky sarcophagus of the spouses. I really like this one. Spooky sarcophagus of the spouses. How's that alliteration? Put that in art history books. The sarcophagus of the spouses is an anthropoid terracotta sarcophagus. I literally just added that in there so I could say anthropoid, which means human-shaped It was created circa 520 BCE. It's crafted from terracotta, was cut into four pieces, lengthwise to separate the base and cover and down the center, likely for the firing process so it would fit into the kiln. The sarcophagus would have originally held human remains because that's what sarcophagi do. It's also another favorite word of mine. (laughs) This joint sarcophagus was found in the Banditaccia necropolis. In Cerveteri, Italy, in the 19th century. When it was discovered, it was broken into 400 pieces and then reassembled, which I would be really interested to know more about that process because that had to have been quite the jigsaw puzzle. For real. This sarcophagus is currently housed in Rome at the, all right, let's try this, Museo... Nazionale di Via Guilia. I don't know Italian. (laughs) However, there's a second very similar sarcophagus housed at the Louvre in Paris. What is most often pointed out about this work of art is the intimacy of the two figures. They are embracing lovingly, which is not something that was seen with similar sculptures made by the ancient Greeks, who, as we mentioned, were a big influence to the Etruscans. Furthermore, the figures move into our space, stretching their hands outward toward the viewer. And once again, if you listened to our Koros episode, mm. we have this this big uh, debate among scholars of what the heck was she holding? People like to speculate wildly about what these hands were holding. Was it a perfume bottle? Was it a pomegranate? Was it a loaf of bread? Who really knows? Was it something spookier? Was it a knife? Was it- <laughs> <laughs> was like I don't know 
It is largely believed that the sarcophagus belonged to a larger scene of a banquet, so they likely would have been holding banquet items, something symbolic of the afterlife or eternity. Some believe that the scene depicted a common Etruscan funerary ritual in which the wife pours perfume onto a pomegranate being held by the husband. Pomegranates are widely considered symbols of immortality. So um, if you didn't already get this from the imagery, Etruscan funerary rituals were lively, cheerful events. It was basically a big party before the big send off to the afterlife. And remember, you really wanted the guest of honor to be pleased because if they weren't, you're going to get haunted. Can we go back to the pomegranate pouring? That sounds essential as hell. I know, but right? So right? It does sound super <laughs> sexy. I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, whoa. I mean, pomegranates are widely associated with Persephone and Hades and the underworld. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of related to the afterlife and the underworld. Um, I don't really know about pomegranates in ancient Egyptian mythology. Or like symbolism, but in ancient Greek, it's kind of a symbol of the underworld. And then, yeah, adding the the perfume, it's it's almost like making a potion. Yeah, a witchy potion. Like, I imagine their perfumes being like an oil, so I almost imagine it like dripping like more slowly, like a more viscous kind of. I don't know. I just have a very strong yeah. visual of this, and I feel like <laughs> it is a very intimate moment. You're getting me worked up, Nat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's cool it back down with some talk about uh, gender equality. (laughs) I don't know, though. Maybe that'll get you going, too. I just feel like we can't talk about the Etruscans and especially this work without kind of talking about how they were perceived to be more gender equal society, Mm -hmm. especially compared to like the Romans and the Greeks. Just starting with like a banquets being something that would occur with men and women present together, sitting by each other, eating like a lot of the art tends to show men and women kind of, I don't want to say interchangeably, but interacting in social settings together. Yeah, yeah. I would say non-hierarchically. Yeah. You know, like there is still um, a, a kind of heteronormative, I guess, gender dynamic. Yeah. You got men, you got women. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's it's one man, one woman. But with the sarcophagus of the spouses, you know, they're in this intimate embrace. They they both seem very happy and they're, they're equally involved in um, the activity at hand. Yeah, and even like in Egyptian art, there's a lot of like hierarchy by size and size-wise, they're about the mm-hmm. same. Like I want to like really underscore that I'm using equality here very loosely. Like I'm not trying to act like I know or that this was equal, but I'm just saying compared to a lot of other ancient civilizations, women seem to have kind of a higher standing in society, which is very cool. And there's evidence that women were literate and that was common. Yeah, just Pretty cool. I'm bummed that they're not around anymore. I know. It's a it's an interesting it's an interesting civilization and yeah, it kind of gets, you know, lost between the Greeks and the Romans. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's plenty of plenty of stuff to explore there. And we're gonna keep exploring because we're about to record another Etruscan episode, so uh stay tuned. Oh yeah! We got more Etruscan stuff <laughs> coming for you. <ya. laughs>
they didn't just do funerary art, even though that's, you know, a lot of the Etruscan art we have. So we're going to do another episode on a few more works of Etruscan art. Let us know what you think about the Etruscans. Please do. We'll catch you in baby part two. See you there. Ready? Bye. They Okay, but this is a stupid question. Is it still the century doesn't line up with the years in BC? Uh, yes. Man. Yeah, it should be. It's the I'm same. tired. Yeah, yeah, it's the exact same thing because it's like a number line. Yeah, and the zero to hundred part. The, yeah, the zero. Excuse it. Is just a weird. I don't know. It's when everything <laughs> when everything changed for when some math reason. Math and art history merge. <laughs>